Hello and welcome to the Biz Coach Show, hosted by my biz coaches and presented by the TLG Group, where we provide entrepreneurs with the edge they need to succeed. Your hosts today, as always, are me, that's David Macon, and Eric Whitmore. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, David. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it. Hey, we are talking about a really important topic. We're recording this in January of 2023, and a lot of the headlines right now are about AI and some of the awesome advances that have happened really in the last couple of weeks and uh, pretty pretty groundbreaking on what's happening now and what's about to happen in the near future. So uh, as Eric and I were talking, it's something that we're seeing a lot and it's impacting our clients. And so we wanted to dedicate an entire episode to talking about the disruptive power of AI. And to start things out, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of stats relating to artificial intelligence and then kind of get in, how do we apply this uh, to you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and really uh, any company that's listening to this because it is going to impact the way we do business, the way we interact with our clients and our customers. Uh, so really an important topic. So a couple stats to kind of kick us off. Uh, right now, nearly 77% of devices, so mobile devices today, use AI technology in some form or another. So already very prevalent in our world. Uh, and then thinking about the future, 84% of C-level executives believe they need to adopt uh, artificial, intelligence to, uh, artificial intelligence to drive their growth objectives. It's also predicted that the AI market is going to uh, cap out around $190 billion by 2025. That's an annual growth rate of 36.62%. Uh, so pretty impressive. And then by 2030, artificial intelligence will add a predicted $15.7 trillion to the world's GDP, boosting it by 14%. So those are a couple of stats to get us started. Um, Eric, any stats that you have found uh, kind of interesting as it relates to AI? Yeah, I don't know that I have stats so much as I have empirical knowledge of uh, <laughs> my clients and how it's impacting a number of my clients. Um, I, I, am not sure if I've used the reference before, but I have a, 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 uh, digital marketing agency and we were talking extensively about AI and more specifically about some of the different resources that he currently uses. And then the topic of, uh, chat GPT came up and the impact that that has had in just the short period of time since they launched, I think it's a version three was, uh, and then, and, and, and version four is coming very soon. And it's uh, it's pretty impactful. But uh, as a digital marketing agency, one of the things they do extensively is they run a lot of copy. And currently today, the software there's a software they use today, which is called Jasper, and and um, we we use Jasper to write copy uh, pretty extensively, uh, whether it's copy for blog post or uh, copy for um, uh, marketing campaigns, and anymore, it's getting more and more to the point where you can't tell whether or not a human wrote or AI wrote it. And quite honestly, it's actually, in some cases, it's better when AI writes it, which <laughs> is scary, scary right? when you think okay. about it, right? Yep. Uh, but when I started doing my research on the jet, chat GPT, based on my conversation I had with him initially, it was like, wow, this is this is game changer. I mean, this is, this is like, uh, I, I don't want to jump topic too quick, but it, it, this literally goes to a, uh, a speech that I saw um, Elon Musk do. I, I don't remember the platform where he was speaking at, but he actually shared. Well, actually, no, it was a podcast. He was with Joe Rogan when I saw it. He he'd spoke somewhere else and made this statement, but he reiterated on the podcast with Joe Rogan. He's like, yeah, 
I told them to slow down AI. And this is the guy that uses AI to have his, you know, to the self-driving cars, right? Yeah. And he's like, I told them to slow down AI. He goes, I told the government to step in and slow down the use of AI because it was going to grow at a rate that we weren't going to be ready to manage. So I, I don't have any statistics, but that right there, with that scared the snot out of me, quite honestly. Yeah, well, it's interesting because there, I'm sure there's people listening to this who are feeling similarly like, hey, this could be dangerous and I don't know if this is a good thing and I don't know if I want it in my business, right? And a couple stats that back that up, uh, only about 28% of people uh, fully trust AI, but 42% generally accept it. And so that, that's kind of a growing trend that's becoming more acceptable. Uh, but I definitely think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, you know, hey, I've seen I've seen Terminator. I've seen the movies. I know what happens. I'm not going to let this AI on my business. Um, it, it's time to kind of think about it a little bit differently because 83 uh, percent of companies consider AI as part of their strategy or an important part of their strategy. So if you're not thinking about it, right, it's here. It's getting bigger. It's getting more prevalent. Even if you're a little uncertain, even if you're a little scared, you're, you know, not in that 28 percent that fully trusts it. Um, 83 percent of companies feel like it's important to understand it and apply it to their business strategy. So just kind of tie that into what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, and a piece that I would add to that, David, would be when, uh, when you're talking about the people that are uncomfortable with it, first of all, you know, as a life coach, one of the things we would talk about extensively was, you know, this scares you. Why does it scare you? What, what, what behind this, this idea scares you? And, you know, it's, it's the unknown, it's, you know, fear of the unknown, fear of this, right? But, but the, 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 the idea is, is that, um, to your point, there are a lot of components of this technology that are going to be super, super valuable. Uh, I mean, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, but um, when you look at the, the extent of uh, what the AI can do, particularly when it comes to like entry-level roles, I mean, I literally, uh, I think I sent you um, a TikTok video uh, was it you sent me or as I sent you? Now I can't even remember, but it was you, the you sent it to me and I was shocked that you had TikTok. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, that's it goes along with what I'm about to say. Oh, good. We okay. Have, we have to adapt or die. Yeah. You know, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, that is the one thing that you have to learn to come to terms with, which is adapt or die, right? Yeah. The business, to your point, it is here. The larger companies that have the, the the investable income, they're going to invest in this technology and it's going to force the smaller business owner to adapt or die. I mean, they're going yeah. to get left behind. And, and I, the, the, the video or picture that I'm referring to was, uh, um, I think it was an employee list McDonald's. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember fast that food restaurant. Yeah. There's an yeah, employee all list. Robots. Fast food all robots, not a single person. Yes, exactly. And a drive through. And it was literally, you know, your order came out and it was and, and literally the entire restaurant, to your point, no employees, maybe somebody to maintain the equipment, but nobody to, to take engage yeah. with the customer or anything like that. They put everything in manually and, and through a system and automated um, that reads the voice recognition. It hit, understands what you want. It places the order. It comes out. It's all robotics. It's crazy. So yeah. when you think about that, how does a small business owner compete at that? Because you can't afford that technology today. Not this yeah. average small business owner, right? Well, yeah. And, and it's interesting, right? You talk about the fear of technology and that that's not new. That's not unique to AI. No, not at all. I, I think what's interesting is, you know, there's, there's this balance of, well, what do you fear more? Do you fear the new technology or do you fear 
being out of a job or your business, you know, crumbling because AI is, is replacing those jobs. And I know people are probably getting bored of stats, but I got a couple more that relate to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a AI may eliminate 375 million jobs and displace up to 1 billion employees globally over the next five to 10 years. That's yeah, only so 12 and a half percent of the world's population. Yeah. And you think about that, right? Like, what, what are you more afraid of? Uh, learning a new technology or, you know, being in that that group of, of people or, right, or maybe somewhere in between, 120 million uh, people are estimated uh, to have to reskill or upskill in order to do their job because of the influence of AI. So uh, just bringing it back, right, you're, you're, you're going to be afraid one way or the other. You might as well be afraid, but taking steps to safeguard yourself Absolutely. and be future yep. ready, right? Yep. We, we, we have to commit to understanding what it is uh, and being afraid of it. I honestly, you know, if I go back and I look at the generation before us, before me, sorry, <laughs> not trying to lump you into my generation, David, not that I'm referencing our ages again. Um, but uh, if, if you look at the, at the age before me, so I'm at the beginning age of whatever comes after the baby boomer, I don't even remember anymore. But the, uh, what I remember specifically watching my father and many people, my father's age, uh, who's in his mid seventies now go through the computer revolution, right? Which yeah. uh, I remember a conversation with my father in 1972. Um, well, not, it, it, he had a decision to make in 1972. We had the conversation somewhere in the 1980s. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in 1972, he was in a position where he was looking at job opportunities. He had just done his two-year tour during the Vietnam tour and he had done his two-year term. And he was like, I've got a job. I can go work for this company called Bastion Tires and do this hard, this hard technical, this hard uh, physical labor type job. Uh, but it was something he knew and understood. and was familiar with, or learn and 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 adapt to this computer thing. And and the guidance he got at that time was, computers are just a fad. They're here today, gone tomorrow. You know, they're not going to last. And you know, so my dad went the route that he was comfortable with as opposed to, you know, stretching himself a little bit. And consequently, you know, that definitely limited his options, not, not in the next 10 years, but in the next 15 to 20 years, dramatically limited options. And consequently, my, my uncle, uh, my, one of my, my mother's uh, sisters. Uh, so he, he, he went on to get into the computer uh, revolution or get involved in the computer revolution. Consequently went on into the insurance industry uh, at one point, worked at Sperry Univac, which I think was a computer technology company. I uh, can't even remember exactly what they did anymore. But um, that led into insurance because it was insurance companies were one of the first ones to adapt to computers and using technology to and do their assessments and all that kind of stuff. And he went on to become a president of a company and made millions of dollars and became very successful. Yeah. Uh, not that my father wasn't successful, but the options that he had access to were greatly limited because he didn't take the time to learn that technology until he's much more advanced in his age. Yeah. No, and it's, yeah, computers. Then it was, you know, internet's a fad. And then it's, yes. you know, um, well, you know, Bitcoin's a fad. And then, I mean, it's it's just, we we have this tendency, right? Of course, there's early adopters, the bell curve. And Absolutely. All that, right? Yep. Um, but, but most people, right, we're, we're kind of at that stage where the early adopters are, have really kind of taken this and there's, you know, tons and tons of AI startups. And so that, that ship has kind of already sailed. So the determination is, are we going to be, you know, a laggard at the end of the bell curve, or are we going to embrace it a little bit earlier on? And I think um, what we're seeing, oh, yeah. so yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, as an entrepreneur, you have to be on the front end of that bell curve. Maybe you're yeah. not at the, you know, the initial slant upwards, but yeah. somewhere in it before it peaks, you've got to get as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to get in the front end of that bell curve, because the reality is by the time you peaked, you've missed the opportunities that were there. Like yeah. right now, I, um, I was uh, doing some research with somebody and they had mentioned that uh, chat GP, one of the, so right, we're talking about chat GP as a, as a, one of those AI um platforms. And uh, there's a unique opportunity right now for somebody who's ambitious and wants to create a small revenue or business, I say small, wants to create a business opportunity that nobody knows what it costs to utilize that software right now. Right. Yeah. Right. And so consequently, if you didn't know the fact that it's actually the version three is out there for free, yep. you could volunteer to do a whole bunch of copywriting and different jobs tasks like that for somebody who doesn't know that it's available to go ahead and do the work perform the work have it all done through ai at a fraction of zero cost basically for all intents and purposes and then provide it and receive uh, revenue for those services provided right because yeah. you know right it goes back to the old story the 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 plumber that shows up for the banging pipe and he comes in and he twists the nut and, and he sends him a, a bill for $10,000. And the guy says, I want an itemized bill for this. And he says, you know, one cent for the nut to twist, you know, for the, to the nut and, and uh, $9,999.99 for the knowledge to know to twist which that's nut right. where, right? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> that's but that's, that's legitimately, that's whenever these early adoption opportunities present themselves, that's what it is. That early end of the, the front end of that bell curve is where those opportunities are created and a lot of money is made. And, and capitalized on during that period of time, by the time you reach the top end of that bell curve, which is around the 50% threshold, depending on where that's at, that that the, all those opportunities are missed out on. And then it's how much of the backside of that bell curve are you able to capitalize on, right? right. So if you missed the front end you, 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 and you don't catch some of the back end, then you've missed any opportunity to really do that. Yeah. To, yeah. to, to benefit from it, I should say. Well, and, and to that end, right, if, if AI is a train and we're still standing at the station, it, it's moving very quickly and we need to yes. jump on. In fact, yeah, great analogy. Uh, 300% of businesses or uh, the increase in businesses using AI has increased 300% in the last five years. So just, just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. The, the early adopter ship has already sailed. So now, now we're just trying to get on the train. We've kind of yep. missed the front two cars, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great yeah. point. Yeah. The, the luxury cars have passed. Yes. <laughs> we, we are now to the common cars and we, you know, and the, the decent ones are in the first yeah. half, So we need to make that's sure right. we get into the next. Yeah, yeah. That's a funny point. Um, actually great analogy. I, you got one more there. So go ahead and share that. Yeah, yeah. And I think just, you know, why, why are companies doing it? I think that's the ultimately right, you know, putting myself in the shoes of somebody listening to this, why should I do it? Yes, I understand if I don't, I might, you know, be out of a job or my business might collapse. And that's scary. But what what's the benefit? So I don't want to do it just to avoid some pain. What what's the benefit it's going to bring to me? And so what a lot of people are reporting. So uh, for example, sales uh, leads, right? Leads are a big deal. If you work in you know, a sales or service-based industry, leads are critical. AI algorithms uh, can increase your leads by as much as 50%, right? That's so hopefully amazing. some of your ears perked up on that one. Or 80% uh, of employees saying that AI helps improve their productivity. So imagine that for you as an entrepreneur who's wearing you know, 10 different hats, 15 different hats, how can you be more productive, but also you know, your team of 
whether it's you know two people or 200 people, what if all of them were more productive? How much more work and clients and all that could they take on by utilizing AI? So don't do it just to avoid the negative things, but there's a lot of positivity and that, that can come into your business if you adopt this early. So um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of great stats out there on AI adoption for sure. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking the time to put together, put that together because it's it's eye-opening when you start digging in. I know the the early portions of AI, we all experienced it, whether we realized it or not, but the front end of every call system is 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 right. AI, right? It's yeah. all software laden. It's it's um any call center anymore, it's prompting, it's going through a series of questions to get you to the channel, the department that you need to be in. Uh, and by the way, Every every sequence that is created, it's a flow chart, right? Every sequence that's created by an engagement with a client is a is is giving them data points. Yeah. How many people call in and request their PIN number to be reset? How many people call in to have, uh, you know, to 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 have something something else done in their account, right? How many people call in to check their balance, right? I'm thinking credit card companies, for instance. Um, and I don't care which industry, whether it's it's financial services, insurance. Anybody in those really advanced uh, services where there's a lot of customer service touch points, how can we reduce the human element or better yet, create a better environment for the human element? You know, for the last, uh, not for the last, I would say up until probably mid 20, around 2015 or so, there was a push from early 2000 to about 2015. Everybody was going overseas. It was before that, but everybody was complaining about all the jobs, all these jobs are going overseas for call centers. That was a big, big issue. It was, it was everybody was throwing their hands up in the air about it, and somewhere along the way, are like, "Well, how can we do that better?" Well, <laughs> there's something called artificial intelligence that can replace and and can actually be programmed and learn at a faster capacity than a human being can. Well, uh, there's discussions about that, but we won't get into that today. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. idea being is that it, you can it because of the programming languages the way it's designed, it can reread. And, and, and review content faster, right? Over and over and over. So it learns every time it has a conversation. Well, as human beings, one of the challenges that we have, we don't always learn for our instance, from our instances, right? Right. We, we should, and we, there is a learning opportunity, but we don't always capture the learning opportunity. Whereas a robot or an artificial intelligence does in every time, because it's programmed to do that. So consequently, the first time you ask me, you know, where I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling right now, but uh, how would I get this particular information? Well, the first time you have to, you're in your head, you map it out and say, okay, do first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Well, the AI will immediately register that. And the next time that question comes up, they've got it. Yeah. They don't have to go through it 10 times to figure it out, to remember to create a sequence and have that sequence events become an actual distributable piece of information. The AI does it automatically. Right. And so yeah. when you think about how that impacts all these call centers, well, and so I'm, I'll give you some quick piece here uh, at my biz coaches. One of the things we, we, so December was our breakthrough month. That was uh, we, we really turned the corner in December. It was a huge leapfrog three X in a month. that is typically um, it, it is typically probably one of the, the harder months for, for us to sell mem uh, uh, coaching memberships, right. Coaching programs in in december because there's other distractions right obviously <laughs> i got i gotta buy my stuff from lululemon or you know wherever else you're buying your clothes from and uh consequently the 
what I found was the first thing was uh, lead sourcing. Yeah. yeah, I've been working with, I mentioned earlier, we're using Jasper to write copy. Well, I can, with using Jasper, I can, I can pump out copy at about 10 times what my, what my resources were before, which was me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I can pump it at about 10 X now. So my email sequencing, my, my uh, copywriting sources, right. I mean, even, even, even presentations, like putting together a presentation, I can actually get copy written and our content provided for blog posts. I can do that in minutes, which used to take me an hour. I used to spend an hour a day writing a blog. Wow. I can literally do that in, in less than that less than a few minutes. Yeah. That same that same blog. It's written in my tone. It's written in a professional, you know, uh, slant and, and all these kind of things. And to the point now where I've used it enough times where it, I can't tell if I wrote it or the computer wrote it. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm using a software solution that is three or four X less than what's available right now. So when you think about the, what just pumping that kind of content out, so we started setting goals for this year and our growth and what opportunities we have. And as we started figuring out, we we're like, well, wait a minute. One of one of our opportunities is is lead flow. So you re, you mentioned lead flow earlier, right? Yep. We've actually been able to uh, go through now, and we'll be able to provide leads to a client at I'm going to guess twenty percent of what they were paying for leads before because of a couple of strategies we've been able to. I won't I won't say we developed it. We just we're able to back back engineer yeah, what some early other, adopter. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, well, we're we're back engineering. All right. We weren't early adopters. We're definitely a little bit later to the we're we're not on the second car, the first two cars anyway. But um <laughs> what we were able to do is as re-engineer, uh back engineer into what what some uh marketing agencies are doing. And as we kind of recognize what they were doing from email campaigns and some other pieces. Uh, we'll be able to, we'll be able to like 10 X our, our lead flow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and at, at a fraction of the cost that we were doing it before. Yeah. So we'll, then we'll be able to provide that and share that with our clients. So again, one of the values of working with a coach and not to keep putting that out there, but it, so I'm, we're invested in doing that due diligence for our clients so they don't have to do that due diligence. Right. And then we educate them and bring them along and show them how to use the technology. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some, something else you talk about is, uh, or we should talk about is, um, you know, you talked about the customer service perspective, but also uh, the ability to personalize things to your, your clients, your customers. Uh, AI has a lot of options with that, right? And we know personalized messaging, personalized marketing, personalized recommendations, personalized follow-up, right? All of yep. those things equate to more sales. And so that's another powerful benefit of AI is not just faster, not just, you know, more efficient, but also more personal. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't think about, right? It's a, it's yes. a computer, it's a robot, right? How can it never ever think to ask for yeah. one? Yes. Yep. Yeah. How could it be more personal than a human? And, and the reality is it can be because it has 
all of those data points, you know, a million data points about you over all these different sources. And every time you interact with it, it gets smarter about you, the individual who's, you know, typing into the chat bot or calling in or, you know, using the software. And it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. So I think that that's something that a lot of people don't think about and is really pretty powerful. And you see that with, you know, how you do ads nowadays. I mean, you can get so niche with the ads that you post down to, you know, Utah bulldog lover, coffee lover, you know, all those things and, and have a custom ad just for that, you know, personality type. And, and it's just going to get even, you know, uh, more narrow, uh, which is good, I think, for a lot of marketing uh, and be more personal. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and you bring up a great point. So one of my over the years, one of the things, uh, you know, way back in the day when I was working my way through college, um, uh, working in a bar, right? what I realized very quickly was the more that I impressed my client with knowing or anticipating, that's what the better word, anticipating what it was they wanted before they wanted it was what led to my increase in, in, in compensation, right? Tips basically. And there was a direct correlation with my ability to impress the client with my, my understanding of what they wanted, my anticipation of what they were going to need in advance of them needing it always led to better tips yeah right which for whatever reason is lost on most people that work in the industry today but and there's a few occasions <laughs> where i find somebody who's a phenomenal server whether that's yeah. a bartender or a waitress or a waiter it doesn't a barmaid whatever it when when you find those people that are really good at that and more importantly if you're the kind of person like i am i frequent the same places and the same servers I, my wife and I will ask for the same server at the restaurant at our favorite restaurant. I mean, talk about routine, right? Yeah. We, we, not only do we go to the same restaurant regularly, but we go to the, we ask for the same server and, and we'll come on the days when that server is working. Yeah. Right. But there's a reason for it. And it's to your point, it's the customization. We don't have to ask for what we want to drink. She already knows. Right. Yeah. She'll literally just confirm and she'll remember Oh, you wanted the McAllen. Yes, I would. And you want it with the ice ball. Yes, ma'am. And you make it a double. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's like that. And she knows I don't have to tell her anymore. She just gets it. Right. Same thing with my wife. She knows exactly what wine my wife wants or occasionally she'll tease her and she say, is it a this type of wine night or is it a this type of wine night? You know, it's like that. Literally, yeah. she knows. She even knows the variations of my wife's right. preferences. Right. Yeah. Imagine if you could program that into the yeah. AI so that the AI does it every time, regardless of experience. Imagine using that platform that that woman was able to develop and imagine her interaction with us as a software platform, software, uh, the, right, the, the written, the code written, right? Imagine you could take that then and introduce it to all the other, because we're relatively frequent restaurant you know, uh, um, visitors. If you could put that in a dozen restaurants so that we got the same type of experience every time we walked in. Now, there's something to be said for the actual engagement level and all that other. I mean, there's something else for that. But imagine that that same person gets that same type of experience that they're accustomed to every time. Yeah. Right. In multiple settings. I don't have to go to the same restaurant every time. I would right. get the same experience regardless of what restaurant I went into. It would yeah. dramatically improve my level of fulfillment 
when I'm going out and enjoying myself at a nice dinner, right? It's like, um, but anyway, it, there's so there's obviously something to be said in the personality and all the other components of that, but just getting my order right, quite honestly, is my biggest frustration when eating out. Yeah. I specifically want this, not this. I want it this way, not that way, right? And knowing that that person's going to get it right every time is pretty significant. Now, now th that's me, right? I'm a pretty, pretty. I, and then David, I, I know your your love for cheeseburgers, bacon <laughs> cheeseburgers, right? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, but I mean, if if you if you didn't have to, if it would just confirm, hey, David, we know you like X. Would you also like this? Because 80% of the time you order this to go along with that. Yeah. Right. It does, it might share the statistics, but because it knows that 80% of the time that you order that it, it offers it and you're like, yeah. And, and so and I'll go back to my uh, wait, waitress analogy. When, when we, when we, after dinner's done, she'll come out and say, so did you want the tiramisu tonight? And I'm like, <laughs> no, not really. But because you asked now, I feel obligated that I have to go. Ahead and get it. Yes. Yep. The point is, how much would that improve your experience? From a business owner's perspective, how much does that improve bottom line profits? Yeah. How does that improve customer experience, right? And 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 for for from a from an owner's perspective, they're getting a consistent result every time. Yeah. And that's hard to do with human interaction. Right. Because it's hard to train people to do that job. That way, they really have to care enough about the job to learn to do it that way. And that's not the easiest thing to train to. I mean, after training thousands of, of salespeople, retail salespeople, you know, how hard is it to duplicate those results time and time again, every time? Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, very difficult and, and it's individual. And I think that's one of the other things that's worth noting. And you kind of talked about is, you know, uh, and you go back to our last episode, we talked about, hey, when you lose somebody, it, it takes a while to get them back, you know, the next person back to the same speed. That's not right. the case with AI, right? You know, depending on your industry, it could be 30 days, 90 days, 60 days to get somebody fully proficient. And even then, even then they still make mistakes, right? Nobody's hundred percent right. all the no. time. No, um, and the people that are, we probably can't afford to hire as a small business, right? So, it's, <laughs> uh, so, so that's important. But yeah, consistency is, is critical. And, and it's a, just because we're on a little bit of a learning topic, um, it's incredible what AI can do to personalize learning. So it'll notice, oh, you know, hey, this individual, yeah, this individual is struggling with this concept. So for that person, we're going to add more scenarios, more simulation, right? Whatever around that particular topic for that person and the way they learn. So think about that for, you know, not only, you know, corporate education, which of course is my, my big focus, but think about that for the school system. Think about that for higher education. Think about totally. that for upskilling. I mean, there's so many applications of just personalized learning, but also uh, consistency in how things are presented and taught. So it's, yeah, it's remarkable, but yeah, going back to your main point, consistency in your business is critical and AI absolutely helps deliver that. Yeah, agreed. The And, and if you look at, you know, uh, the customer service component, I mean, I, I can see this just chewing up customer service call centers. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it, it literally, I mean, and, and the funny thing about that is, is having never managed those scenarios but knowing from an arm's length what that experience is like and 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 seeing what that is to manage that uh that's that's something i would not want to manage but yeah. quite honestly it's a job i wouldn't want to do 
Right. And I know that there is a percentage of people out there that would enjoy that, do, that do enjoy that that role, that job, uh, serving those clients. And I don't know that AI is going to replace all customer service in the near future, but it will replace a lot of it. And then yeah. you would just be down to the smallest percentage of people that are necessary for the most escalated situations. Right. But eventually yeah. with AI, even that would be theoretically replaced. Yeah. So interesting it related to this you brought up something about um you know just like the personality or maybe the dynamics of the interaction so one of the things that is is coming with ai just again they're, they're thinking of everything right is having the same you know let's call it base code for that ai chatbot let's say or you know maybe call in and it's a voice bot whatever so what they do is they program different personalities into it so you know if right. they realize that this person likes this style of interaction, you know, all of a sudden you start to see, you know, maybe the messaging kind of changes to their style and their preference. Or I think, you know, there's different personas that they develop within these AI models. So you may find a couple that work great for your business or your industry. And so you could kind of, you know, as it grows, you're going to have probably, you know, a hundred different AI personas based on how you want your clients dealt with in your industry or how they want to be dealt with. I mean, it's, it's, it's groundbreaking what's happening. It's happening very fast. Yes. Well, I'll give you an, an yet another example. We're doing some research on some, uh, some software for, uh, um, I don't know if they call it speech. It's uh, uh, if I want, Oh, so audiobooks, right. As you know, I've published a few books. I've never gone back and done the audio. So I've been actively looking at that. And so I recently was researching software that would actually do the reading of the audiobook. So, because that's a very time consuming task to do that. And I'm still debating on whether or not it makes sense for me to do it or for, the, you know, to use. But uh, so I'm looking at the software, and that particular software comes with 40 different voice options. <laughs> yeah. Very human. Again, I, I believe that I, and maybe it's because I was looking at it and knowing it was software, but I'm like, I would say 80 or 90% of the time that I'm listening to the voice, I can't tell the difference. There's still a 10 or 20% variation that I can in the tonations and stuff like that, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah. What was really super interesting, you're talking about customization. Well, would you like a voice with an English uh, yeah. accent or a, yeah. or a Scottish accent or uh, an Australian accent? I was like, right. Yeah, actually, that might be kind of cool. <laughs> well, it's only a matter of time before it'll take your voice sample and read That's, it in your voice. I was just going to say, I'm like, how about we take my voice and put an English accent? I'm curious yeah. what my wife would think about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, inevitably, what we'll do is we'll we'll have the chat bot write our podcast for us and then... <laughs> We'll use deep fake technology and AI voice simulation, and then it'll present it for us. And then we'll just, you know, sit back and the show will be done. That, that, totally. Totally. Yeah, that, that, there's, there's a software out there for, um, you were mentioning facial recognition earlier, yeah. but there's a software out there today that it, um, it takes humanized versions. Again, I'd say it's 80, 90% accurate. There's yeah. still that portion of it. You can tell it's not human, but that's now. Yeah. What does that look like in five years from now? I mean, eventually you're getting to the point where you're looking at a video and you're going to know if it's live or it's Memorex. I mean, that's literally, that, that's a way old reference that you probably don't understand. But um, <laughs> I just realized it as I said it, but uh, that's probably like, it, it, it's like the, 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 the quote from Rocky. He's like, that was the eighties. He goes, actually, that might've been the seventies. <laughs> 
But um, that that I, I, they, we'll get to a point where, to your point, literally in a podcast, it could be a video person with a video yeah. voice. It's all pre-programmed, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Right. Yeah. yeah Great. Whole movies, we'll yeah. keep it. We'll keep it real here, right? <laughs> hey, I, I'm an adopter, man. No. <laughs> Until I can figure it out, yes, I'll be live. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I think you know we're we're uh, a little about thirty minutes in. I think we may want to move to a couple of key takeaways if you're cool with that, Eric, and then maybe talk about how to apply it. So, uh, just kind of recap a couple of things, and if it sparks in your thoughts, you know, definitely feel free to share. But uh, one of the key takeaways from our show today is. AI can drastically increase efficiency. And I think that that's uh, really important. I feel like we've touched on that one a lot. Another key takeaway is improved decision-making. So whether that's mm. um, you know analyzing data or predictive analytics, um, it can definitely help with that decision-making. We haven't touched on that one quite as much. So anything you want to add on that one, Eric? Yeah, valid point. And, and you know what's, uh, what's interesting is, uh, was it, I think it was this year, it was last year, was the first time I really paid attention to it with the NFL. They're talking about the 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 analytics in NFL, right? Like this catch was a a fourteen percent catchability rating or whatever, and this throw was a you know an eight percent you know possibility or whatever. Yeah. And he completed the pass, right? And it's like, but um, that's all coming from, and I don't remember the name of the company now. I don't pay that much attention to that stuff. But um, it was interesting, right? Because they're putting yeah. more and more of these analytics. And to your point. Uh, a lot of statistics, and I picked the NFL because you know I'm most passionate about that particular sport. But um, one of the things that they, that uh, even in coaching now, right, they're able to because of the analytics, and th this was in baseball long before it got football and basketball. Right. But they're they're able to uh, um, they'll quickly analyze, and they know the statistics going into the scenario. So when it comes to decision making, for instance, um, th the uh, the probability of getting a two-point conversion versus a standard extra point kick. Right. Uh, yeah. it, it, this particular team is at 42%. So they are like, we're just going to roll the dice based on those numbers. If we get it 42% of the time, if you add up the number of points that we'll gain with those number of op opportunities versus if we just kick the single point every time, we'll actually get more, even though we're only to 42%. I don't know that that works out the math wise, but you follow my logic. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're able to analyze that and, um, and consequently make the decisions like that because they already know the data in advance. Right. Yeah. They go into the decisions knowing, right. Or, or that the, the, that for instance, your team has a tendency to go for extra two this many times or an onside kick or whatever it might be. But th when you consider those types of analytics in your business, for instance, um, inventory management, that would be a huge place, right? For, for businesses that manage inventory and, and restaurant industry, huh? Talk about inventory management, raw food, right. food costs, right? I mean, that's gotta be by far and away outside of labor costs, the biggest gap and the biggest opportunity that determines a successful, profitable restaurant and a restaurant that's barely making money. Yep. And it literally comes down to food waste. Yeah. Right. And so over the years, we figured out ways to be creative with food race. We donate it to the missions or we do this or we do that. But there's always been this, it's going to, there's going to be food waste. Let's just figure out how to manage it best. Right. But now with this type of analytics, if you're popping it all into your point of sale system, you, and, and I say point of sale, but it's the back end of it. 
and you're putting in how many tomatoes you buy every week based on the sales of the products or the individual products that include tomatoes in the menu, right? And you go through that, you literally could get this down to a finite number and know that on any given week, you plus or minus 10%, you should have, I don't know, 100 tomatoes or whatever that is, right? It was like, I was probably not even close, but yeah, <laughs> but you follow the logic, right? You would literally know. And so now, food margin costs dra dramatically reduce, right? Mar margin of loss dramatically reduces and you reduce uh, food shrinkage. Yeah. Shoot, there was literally um, something I was listening to the other day. Uh, crazy. Uh, uh, England. I don't know the time frame when this was. This is definitely, this is going back quite a few years. But what they did was they, uh, it was uh, pretty sure it was London. What they had done is they went around and they had asked people in this particular community if they'd be willing to take three take three chickens into their home uh, for for having uh, to eat food waste. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Within I don't I, I want to say it was in the year. I, and I can't even remember the specifics to it now. But within a short, very short period of time, they introduced this. So there was 2,000 families that agreed to take these chickens in. So 6,000 chickens, whatever that cost for this, the community or the city, the town, whatever it was to do that. They brought the chickens in and the chickens started eating the food waste. Within that, whatever period of time, and I want to say it was like a year, they reduced food waste in the, in the land disposal by 100,000 uh, 100, pounds. Wow. Wow. 100,000 pounds of food waste that gets thrown away by the chickens eating it. And then, oh, by the way, guess what the derivative of that is? All those families now no longer have to buy eggs. Yeah. And right now, the cost of eggs, man, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> great add-on. I went and bought a crate of eggs the other day, and it was $30 for 60 oh, eggs. I'm like, insane. I don't remember eggs paying 50 cents an egg. Yeah, yeah. That Crazy. program sounded pretty good, Eric. Can I get some details on that? <laughs> I got to figure out how to get three chickens, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, when you think about that, again, going back to the you know decision-making, having that kind of insight and knowledge and readily available, right? Right now, today, the biggest problem with that kind of insight, only geeks like you and I are actually recess, re researching that kind of information, yeah. right? Yeah. The reality is if more people had that kind of information available to them, they'd make better decisions on a regular basis. Right. Well, and, and on that, um, you know, you, you can, I'm sure, resonate with this. When I started training, one of the things that I didn't do is I wasn't tracking the result, the impact, the ROI of these different trainings that we were doing. And, and you know, had I done it, I would have had, you know, two or three years more data to refer back to. And I think when you look at something like AI, it's kind of the same thing. If you're waiting to implement it, you're, you're missing out on more data points that will help your business in the future. So it's kind of like the sooner you can do it, the sooner you start tracking these things, but nobody has time to track it, you know, manually in spreadsheets and sure there's some great tools out there, but if you had, you know, artificial intelligence, that's kind of capturing all of that for you, storing it, these massive databases, right. And then it's available in the future. Not only can it tell you, you know, how many tomatoes you need, but, you know, seasonally over the last three years, we've seen an increase in ordering of tomato dishes in August, right. Or whatever. And now you sure. benefit from all of that data, but also kind of the broader set of data. So, what are other people ordering? You know, hey, tomatoes are trending on these five social platforms. So right. they're going to want to come in and order your tomato dish because it's all over Instagram, right? So right. it captures, you know, things in, in the metaverse and brings them in. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what it can do, but we need to start thinking about those things, those data connections.
Yeah, and, and that's actually a great point too, because as you mentioned, um, you know, for instance, uh, organic became a really big thing. I don't remember how long ago it was, maybe maybe yeah. five, six, seven years ago. And now all of a sudden there's organic menus, there's organic grocery items, there's organic this, there's organic that. Well, they start coming into restaurants because people are recognizing, hey, we're eating all these food with all these fillers and it's not healthy for us. And we're finding all these um, health issues that are created by these circumstances. Well, now I've got to factor that in and realize that, you know, to your point, going out into the Internet and pulling in all this particular data, um, there's a new I don't say diet fad. That's that's that. But there's a new push for organic foods. And consequently, people's restaurants are going to feel that impact and they need to adjust accordingly. Yeah. Right. And so but but by getting that type of insight and data pushed to me. Yes. Yeah. Right. By resources that gather this information, that's super valuable to me as a business owner, because now I'm getting this data pushed to me and it's helping me make those types of decisions. But it's being gathered not just by my company. Right. Yeah. Everything that we've talked about, generally speaking, over the years has always been, well, it's my company's data, my company's data. What if it was all companies that are related right. to your business? Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. in the tire industry, everybody in the restaurant industry, everybody in the financial services industry, you'd get all that data aggregated and made available to you. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the, the beauty of things like, you know, AI or your, you know, blockchain, which is a different technology. But now companies can feel secure. Hey, I'm OK to share this data because I'm not you know sending you these files and it's not going to fall into the wrong hands. Right. Yeah, so now, now you have more companies volunteering to share their data, creating this database. So now you can truly benchmark in ways that you couldn't before, whether it's in the US, internationally, across industries. Right. Um, and that data is amazing and it's just going to become more prevalent. Yeah, agreed. So. Awesome. Well, we kind of touched on uh, cost savings. So uh, that, that's sure. another big key takeaway that hopefully, you know, as people are listening, they're thinking about uh, competitive advantage, right? So staying ahead of the curve. We talked about that one. Personalization, we talked about. One uh, last one that we didn't really spend much time on and would welcome any thoughts that you have is uh, scalability, right? So that's one of the biggest challenges I know entrepreneurs face is how, how fast do I grow? How big, you know, how many people and some of those sorts of things. And AI can really help uh, scale in a lot of different ways. So any thoughts on that one before we uh, go to our apply it section? Yeah. So the, I think one of the interesting pieces about the scalability component specifically is, again, all those reference points, all those data points gathered and brought together for that data that you can make better decisions on, right? The predictive analytics. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, the reference point there. There was a specific... Um, Oh, it's in the it's in the gaming industry. Mm. So uh, when they go to do uh, so, so for year, this is, is going to be an extension here, uh, and this is definitely back in the seventies. But uh, no, football and betting, and betting in general, not just football, but any sports for that matter. But you take all the data from the betting world and continue to feed it in, right? And so you use that type of data to determine who's going to win a game. And you make your bets based on the data that's been aggregated over whatever period of time, months, years, whatever, right? Well, now, what one of the thing, one of the ways that they're predicting the Super Bowl, because the predictive analytics of football games like Madden, uh, for for PlayStation or Xbox or whatever, 
they play the game X number of times, let's say, I don't know, 10,000 times or whatever, and 7,522 times out of the 10,000 times Team X wins or Team Z wins or whatever. <laughs> and and that's actually acting as the predictive analytics. Oh, wow. So, right. So think about that when you talk about scaling your business. Yeah. Right. Okay. I want to, I'm, I'm currently a three-store operator today. Take any franchise model that you want. I'm the three-store operator today and I'd like to grow to 10 stores. You know, based on the economy, the way that it's been over the last 20 years, which you could put that data in, what are the odds that we have another major uh, uh, setback economic recession? How could that impact my business? We could put in the data like uh, uh, food costs. We could in, we could put it if it was a food restaurant. We could put in you know all these series of data points, put that in and say, okay, run this model a thousand times. And what's my success ratio look like for scalability? So one of the things that, that, that uh, as you kind of look at the different data points that we were talking about, right? You, um, we were talking about the, uh, the analytics of um, uh, gathering the data of, of uh, betting, right? And, and, and if you look at the, um, uh, all, all the betting institutions that are out there for, for gambling, right? They, they take the accumulation of all these games and all these circumstances, and that's how they decide on what, what the, the odds are for winning a bet, right? Well, if you take all that data and you accumulate it over as much as the recorded data of, of different sports that we can record or that we can gather and you put all that together, it's going to give you some pretty darn good analytics to make decisions on, right? So consequently, when it comes to scalability, you can now take for instance, uh, and I use the example in in uh, whether it was Xbox or I don't remember if it was Xbox or PlayStation. But it wasn't. It was EA game, EA Sports, and it was the Madden football game. If you, what they did is they took an example. I, I thought it was ten thousand. They replayed the game ten thousand times, and it was the uh, projection of the. I think it started in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, but they replayed the Super Bowl with those same teams. 10,000 times and the same team won. I don't remember how many times it was, but that was a, now it was, it became a gauge yeah. on who was going to win. And then it was like, well, who was right or wrong, right? Well, it's a 50% odds, but at the end of the day, how close was the score? What was the average score over 10,000 iterations? Or maybe it was a thousand. I don't remember. But again, the same thing. Anytime that you have that much information and you can replay it over and over and over and look for the, the minutest details each time and then aggregate that, information think about when you're looking to scale a business as i was mentioning earlier you could actually now take that data of okay uh let's assume that the economy over the next 10 years I've, today i've got three units of whatever business model that i am in uh again let's use a restaurant for example i've got three of them i want to grow to 10 and the idea is that over whatever span of time let's assume it's going to take me five years to do that maybe it's three years five years whatever but um, during that period of time, what are the odds that there's going to be an economic setback during that period of time? What are the odds that there's going to be an E. coli breakout, right? right. What are the yeah. odds that, you know, and whatever variations that you might want to consider, right? Because if we go back and we look at history, we can now gather that data, aggregate it all, put it into a model and say, okay, run this a, a hundred times. And what are my odds for success of scaling my business from this to this? Yeah. I could actually predict 
right? And say, okay, 69% of the time the my success ratio is is above a certain threshold or whatever. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's one way you could certainly look at that, that scenario, but there's so many different, when you have that much data to be able to look at and kind of tie that together, certainly scalability when you look at uh, bringing in people, super scalable when you look at any kind of service-based business that requires, I mean, everybody's moved to working from home. Oh, we've had conversations about that too, but um, you know, the working from home, answering phone calls, selling over the phone. I mean, if I'm talking about, I talked about earlier about customer service, but if yeah. I was in a sales role, I'd be super nervous. Yeah. If I was at a phone sales role, I would be super nervous. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you think about that from that perspective, a, a salesperson, the biggest problem a, a successful salesperson has is overcoming the 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 challenge or concern of asking for the sale, right? Right. So over an accumulation of time, you know, you you get better. You improve your skill set. You get better asking certain questions of reading certain things by tonality or whatever it might be. Uh, imagine how that scales when you have somebody who can each time they have a sales interaction they get better. Yeah about reading the customer, reading their concerns, understanding the concerns of overcoming objections before they, the objections presented. If you could actually program the software to do that, I mean, you would accelerate the learning curve by, I don't know, a thousand X. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so now everything becomes much more scalable. What would be more interesting is what, uh, what jobs are out there besides software writing <laughs> would, would would be required by by human beings to do i mean it literally becomes a point of you know what 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 else could we ask it to do yeah no absolutely and that's and that's one of the things right and what you do with that data ultimately you still can make choices right you know you yep. can choose to ignore it like han solo you know never tell me the odds or you know you can follow it and make better decisions but right. it definitely helps you scale um, and, and I think one of the greatest barriers to scale that, that, you know, I see when I'm working with clients, I'm sure you do too, is that it's, it's always that point of when do I hire the next person? And it's, right. you know, I, I, if I hire them before they're, you know, uh, you know, making me money, right. Then, then I'm losing money and I may not be able to afford that. But if I wait too long now, I'm missing out on, you know, increased sales, sales or that or big client that I don't have people to meet. So you run into those issues. So how do you fix it? Well, automation and delegation, right? Those are two big things. And the only way you can do that is with AI to automate things within your business. And if, if that frees your people up, now you can delegate more things or increase their bandwidth to take on more projects. And so it is fundamental to how we're going to scale in the future. Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's kind of wrap it up here, Eric. Um, kind of a couple things as uh, again, we always try to put ourselves in the mindset of the people listening to this. How can I apply this, right? AI sounds like this, you know, big nebulous thing, probably sounds complicated and, and frankly it is, right? So how do I apply it? So a couple of things come to mind for me and then um, any thoughts that you have as we wrap up here. But uh, number one thing is start to identify challenges in your business. That's kind of the main thing is you don't just go and, you know, start grabbing solutions, you tie them to specific challenges. So start thinking about what are challenges that you're facing in your business or anticipate facing in the near future. So that's the first thing. Second thing is then determine which AI solution might help solve that challenge. So we've talked about a number of things from chatbots to machine learning to 
natural language processing to expert systems like call centers, things like that. So there's uh, a, a AI is a big umbrella and there's a lot of smaller things within that. So then think about which solutions would then best solve that problem. And then really, you know, unless you work in an IT field, um, your next step after that is going to be hiring an AI consultant or maybe a full-time specialist to come in and uh, determine options for implementation. And then one of the last things we want to leave our listeners with is develop a security and data governance plan, right? So you're going to have all this data and we yeah. know government regulations continue to increase around, um, you know, customer information and the information that we store and how it's stored and how secure it is. So that needs to be a big part of your solution as well. So uh, anything you want to add on that, Eric? Yeah, no, I think you summed it up well. I, I think when you look at, um, you know, hiring a consultant, that's going to apply to some businesses and other businesses to your, you know, as, as we know, are, are too small to be able to do that. However, there are other solutions, right? For yeah. instance, like I said, I, I, uh, um, I would tell you that a good business coach that that uh, that works in my organization, that's one of our, our expectations that we're actually do, doing doing our due diligence today understanding yeah. this, breaking it down, where's the best opportunity to apply. Um, to your point earlier, you know, identify the challenges in your business. We're already recognizing that with existing clients. And we're saying, hey, here's an opportunity to improve this. Here's an opportunity to improve that. And this particular uh, channel or, or, or piece of, of AI it can fix this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then where can we cost effectively uh, um, get it from? You know, where, yeah. where, what, uh, who's got available? Uh, what's it look like as far as an investment? What's a reasonable investment, right? And so we're already doing some of that, some of that due diligence for our clients. So one of the nice uh, one of the nice things about um, this process of understanding AI and how it applies to my business and how I can benefit from it is if you ask, if you're out there and you're doing your research and you ask enough of the right people, you're going to find people that know what's going on and how to apply it accordingly. Yeah. The, the biggest challenge, quite honestly, in my 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 opinion and, and, and the concern that I have is you take somebody who's uh, got a rudimentary, rudimentary understanding of it. And as I mentioned, the early adopters that are trying to capitalize on this technology and the software, there's going to be a lot of overpricing in the beginning. Yeah. Right. As as early adopters that acquire software programs, applications, whatever, they're going to buy it with the intent of reselling it or taking advantage of it, not taking advantage of it in a negative way necessarily, but capitalizing on it. But people will be taken advantage of because they don't know. Yeah. So one of the things that I try to impress upon my um, clients, I should say we try to impress upon our clients is when you're looking at or investigating technology that you don't understand, do it with a partner. Yes. Do it yeah. with do it with somebody who can help you adopt and understand. Um, maybe they only know one step ahead of you, but but the two of you collectively are going to have a much better result if you try and because my biggest my biggest pet peeve, having been in sales for as long as I've been, one of my biggest pet peeves is the person that sells a product or service that knows darn well that the product or service isn't going to solve the individual's problem, but they want the sale, so they push it anyway, right? Or worse yet. Because you don't know, David, I'm going to sell you this. You're going to get it and then realize you don't have the three other pieces you need to have to solve the problem that you have. And, right. and, and, as, a, and as a crappy salesperson, I'm totally fine with that. And you'll figure that out on your own. Uh, and I don't, I hate that. And I, that's one of the things when it comes to technology, that's why we have the fear 
that we have that we referenced in the very beginning of the podcast. That's why a lot of people do have that fear of the unknown of the new technologies because somebody's going to take advantage of me. Somebody's going to sell me something I didn't need, you know, whatever. But that's where, you know, the, the, the benefit of having two or three other people involved in that decision making process dramatically reduces, you know, yeah. your, your, that, that tendency to fall for a sales pitch, so to speak. Yeah. It, so I think it's important. Yeah, please. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about too, it's important to understand, you know, for somebody to listen to this, you don't have to start getting into AI and set aside, you know, 10 grand and, you know, buy servers into this whole thing. I mean, you can start with Jasper, which is a, a software you've mentioned. There's so many others with, you know, uh, task scheduling, you know, uh, employee schedule optimization. I mean, there's, yep. you could start for, you know, $29 a month, right, on a trial and, and just see how it goes and start playing with different things to start solving some of those problems. And as you scale, which becomes easier as you automate, right? Then you can look at, okay, how do I bring this in-house or can I white label the software, right? Or, you know, get an API that connects to my intranet, right? And, and you can start to do that down the road. But initially you can start getting a couple applications and make your life so much easier for under 500 bucks a month, under 300 bucks a month, depending on the size of your workforce and start getting comfortable with it and see what it can do for you. So I think, yeah, great point. Yeah. And I, I'd actually go one step further. We, it, it's ironic that as you mentioned that reference point, you know, using, for instance, a calendar software application, right? Yeah. That is, that is a function. That is an AI function, right? That's exactly, yes. that's, that's a, it's an entry level AI product service. Yeah. And uh, consequently, that's what I learned with, right? And I literally, most of that learning took place in the last two, maybe three years. Yeah. And I, and so, you know, I started with the software application. I'm like, I don't have, I can't afford an assistant yet. Uh, the business is growing nicely, but you know, we can't afford that. So let's get a saw this calendar application. Right. And then yeah. I realized, well, oh, that's not good enough. I need to upgrade. So I get the better one and then I get that better one. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. How do I live without this? Right. And, yeah. and, and then it's like, well, what else could I consider automating? Yeah. Right. And so that's what I did as I grew the business. I was familiar with a lot of these technologies because we had these in previous companies. But what I didn't realize was that they had brought down to be cost effective for even the individual solopreneur. Yeah. Right. And if, but the biggest challenge was, is like, okay, now how do I make them connect? And you're talking about the API connections to how do I make the two softwares talk together? Yeah. Well, this chat GPT, which we'll probably have to do a whole session just on chat GPT as we learn more about this new evolution that's coming in a couple of months. But um that application incorporated with those those software pieces that you're referencing, when you think about, I, I literally uh, with with the Chat GPT, I've been playing with it, right? Um, I've been using my Jasper, but I have to type it. I have to manually put in what I want it to say, and then it spits out ed, ed, versions of it. When I saw the the uh, uh, demo of the Chat GPT, the guy was actually speaking to the software and said write a blog on this that's approximately 1500 words on this particular topic using using this using this dictionary nice. the, the the language from this particular dictionary with this tone with this attitude whatever and it was go, he was it, he said all the words to the software and it literally lines and in I'm going to tell you it was less than 2 minutes that the entire 1500 word blog was pulled together Wow. And, so and, and the, yeah. And, and then you do the, uh, the old Microsoft word that would grade it, you know, what, at what level it was written at. Oh, I want it written at a, a, a fifth grade level, seventh grade level, 12th grade level, whatever. Right. Yeah. 
all the things that you would measure that the, the Microsoft software and Word would use, right? And any of the Word applications or, or um, you know what I'm referring to, right? That it would have that kind of, it, you use that data to have the thing written and it's that fast. Yeah. So Eric, I got to drop a, a bombshell on you. Uh-oh. <laughs> I happen to use chat GPT to write our podcast outline for today. Did you really? <laughs> I did. And that's so, where the statistics came from? So I, I found the statistics. Oh, okay, uh, okay, I want to okay. make sure they were relevant. Chat GPT has a limit of things before 2021. But uh -huh. uh, the questions, the key takeaways, the apply it, all chat GPT. I wanted yeah, to you... underscore how powerful this technology is that literally leveraged it to prepare for this podcast. Amazing. After you gave me, grilled me for not preparing for the podcast. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But <laughs> nice. I been, and, uh, and, and I how long did it take you? So it took me uh, four or five inquiries, which each one took about eight seconds. So yeah, uh, about two minutes and then I had to copy and paste it. <laughs> and, 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 and so how much time did you research on the statistics? Uh, that was another 15 minutes. So 20 minutes all in. Oh. Yeah, but but just to, to kind of what you're talking about. So I would type in, uh, you know, podcast questions about how to apply AI in a business. And then it came and up. Literally, with it was that advanced. It literally had that. And that's where these questions. Yeah. Came yeah. And then what I did was, you know, some of them I didn't really like. So I said, give me more questions like the first two. And then it yes. generated more questions and then said, OK, well, how would an entrepreneur apply AI in their business? And then it spit out our key takeaways for today. And then how, <laughs> how would an entrepreneur go about applying those things and starting to get AI in their business? And it came up there, apply it. So not that we couldn't have prepared this on our own, but I, sure. I really wanted our listeners to understand. I mean, it is, it's here. I mean, this yeah. is, it is here. It is now. You could be using it to make your life easier, probably save over an hour and a half of prep time of questions and and you know really thinking through it and coming up with the model i mean that's time that i could spend on um other projects or clients or generating more revenue so just uh i wanted i wanted to wait and surprise you with it so that nice you, uh, you can bravo see well done <laughs> probably more thorough than my normal prep so i i was totally impressed i was, I was like wow this is this is pretty good david i'm impressed Nice. Now I know. Nice. Well, now you know. I had to come play <laughs> with you in our audience. But um, yeah, it just, again, underscores the reality of everything we're talking about. So there yeah, you go. that's amazing. And, and uh, when I saw the demo, it really blew me away because it was very intuitive. It was uh, and, and the irony is, as I mean, you know, I joked about my my father uh, over the years. I've told you about, you know, his, his apprehension to adapt technology and uh I could teach him how to do this and I think he'd have fun playing with it just to, to, to do some of the things that he likes to do. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how that, how intuitive it was and how simple it was to learn how to use. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. It, well, yeah. What I love about it is so I, I, you call me crazy and it wouldn't be the first time you call me crazy, but uh, search engines, this is going to upset some search yes. engines because yeah, great what point. happens with the search engine, you put in a search term, and it brings you to links and articles, but with you know software like ChatGPT, you type in a question, it takes this wide base of knowledge it has, and then it brings it together in a cohesive answer. So you don't have to spend hours searching for information. It does all that for you and summarizes it, and then you can dive deeper in. So I did that a number of times as 
playing with it to say, not on this topic. I was I was trying to break it, actually. I was like, uh, what does okay. it know about medical stuff? What does it know about philosophy? And it, it was surprisingly accurate. Book summaries, Eric. Book summaries. They say, hey, give, me a, give me a summary of the five dysfunctions of a team. And it spits it out. I mean, it, wow. it's incredible what it knows. I mean, it, I, it found very few limits as I was playing with it. But it's, Interesting. it's yeah, there's a great application in and of itself, right? I mean, yeah. there's somebody somebody who's became an avid reader to improve my understanding and knowledge of different things, right? And yeah, and uh, <laughs> like you get the cliff notes of everything. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, and, and then and then all you have to, so this give me a summary and then give me tips on how to apply it, and it just boom, 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 spits it out. It's incredible. Yeah, well, you know what? So it's interesting is uh, you know my my philosophy on education. And <laughs> I, do. I, I, again, was listening to Elon and I don't remember where he was when he was speaking this time, but uh, he mentioned, he said, as education as we know it, he, he, he predicts that the education industry, meaning higher education, specifically yep. colleges, universities, yep. will, will cease to exist the way we know it today inside of 10 years. Bold prediction. Super bold, right? This is the guy that's you know that uh, you know took him four times to make the 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 shuttle launch and not blow up. But uh, <laughs> then he spent a, a grip of money doing it. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, my point is is um, to his point is that the the fact that you I mean I don't need to write a term paper ever again, right? That you what your your exercise that you just demonstrated to yourself. There's my term paper. Yeah. Right. I mean, it completely changes that whole thing. We don't need to do the research because the research is there. People have already done it. Yeah. The books have been written about these topics. If I need the information, it's the, literally at my voice's command. Yeah. It, so it's in the next version, and you alluded to this earlier, the next version is, I don't know, what is it, two or 300 times more advanced than this version now? Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that's remarkable. So anyway, I know we go on for hours and hours. Uh, I want to come back to something you said, though, Eric. Uh, it sounds like you have a coach that's kind of starting to specialize in this. So you want to talk about that maybe for a second or any of your other kind of coaching solutions for our audience today? So, so yeah, not a coach. We, we What we've cho chosen to do, uh, recognizing that this is, a, is an early adopter opportunity uh, as a coach, uh, what we have begun to do is an, analyze um, – where we think the opportunities will be and what industries this will impact um, for what it's worth, financial services, accounting, legal, all these service-based businesses, which by the way, is our target audience for my biz coaches, uh, specialist knowledge. There'll, there'll still be a need for the really good people, but people, tax preparation, I mean, it, it gets crazy when you think about how simple this could be. It's data input and data output, right? So all you have to do is put in the specific data and it spits out the answers. I mean, it's that yeah. it's that intuitive, right? So um, we started looking at that and okay, where where would we where could we easily easily apply this and look for opportunities to consolidate industries and go to those particular business owners and say. You're either going to be on the front end of that bell curve or the back end. If you're going to be on the back end, you're going to be an acquisition target. If you're on the front end, you're going to be the acquiring uh, yeah. entity. Yeah. And we'd like to help you do that. Are you in a position you'd like to consider that? 
And so that's how we're going to pivot in 2023 and 2024 with our business model um, in, in the selecting the target clients that we go after. So um, what you uh, the, the client that I have is a digital marketing agency introduced me to Jasper. And that's when we started playing with it. He had mentioned to me, uh, well, actually, I had done the research on ChatGPT, and then you and I had some conversations that evolved into this full, like I, I did a coaching session with him. And it like two seconds into it, I, I mentioned ChatGPT and the entire thing for, for two and a half hours was about ChatGPT. Yeah. And so then we developed a plan to begin to figure out how we're going to leverage that solution in different businesses and so we're targeting specific businesses that we want to go to and we want to say hey look we'll help you implement this as a solution uh as a as a as a solution to your business and how to how best to implement it and and we're going to help you roll that out and introduce it um and then like i said if you're on the front end of this bell curve i'm telling you if if it if it plays out anywhere close to some of the predictions they're saying you know five years ten years it will completely uproot certain industries. Yeah, I you know, totally and, agree. And, and, and I think that, and I, and I think you're going to see the impact in three years. Yeah, like significantly see the impact. So that being said, you know, we we, we see this this uh, this year as an opportunity to align ourselves with those particular industries. Um, we'll be reaching out to those individuals and saying uh, proactively, we have a marketing campaign, which, by the way, was used Chat GPT to <laughs> determine. <laughs> who those clients were. And uh, we have a marketing strategy. We're going to begin to reach out to them and say, hey, look, if you want to be on the front end of this and you need assistance in, in rolling this out, this is what we're going to be doing with you. Nice. And this is how we plan to do it. And this is what it's going to cost you. And it's relatively inexpensive considering this, what would be invested, what would have to be invested to understand and use the technology and implement it into your business. Because we're, we're already figuring it out for certain um, channels, business channels. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. So let's say, Eric, I want to learn more about that. I want to connect with you, one of your coaches, talk about AI or maybe other challenges in my business opportunities. Um, where do I go to find out more about my biz coaches? Come see us at mybizcoaches.com. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, you, can, cool. you can also find us at uh, YouTube. Um, I don't think we're on TikTok yet. I'm on TikTok, but we're not on TikTok yet. But you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're out there on everywhere. And it's usually, it's my biz coaches on every one of them, except uh, Twitter's biz, it's, uh, biz coaches. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, if you want to learn more about uh, TLG Group, head over to trainleadgrow.com. We'd love to talk to you about how AI is impacting how people learn, how it's impacting uh, sales and a number of other topics and how we're going to have to lead people differently in an AI world. So uh, definitely Great. connect with me there. Uh, you can also go on to uh, pretty much any social site, like Eric said, uh, except for me, you'll use at train lead grow and we'd love to have you join our community. So don't miss future episodes. Make sure you guys like follow and most importantly, subscribe. We have a lot of really great uh, topics coming up, some great interviews that we're actively scheduling right now. And uh, we hope to see you next time on the Biz Coach Show. 